How many of you college graduates stayed active in your university's alumni group? Well, if you did, you know the value of relationships, of connections, professionally certainly, but personally as well. My guest today, Stacy Hyatt, is the founder of Society for Alumni Club Leadership. That's S-A-C-L. And now that organization supports and manages some of the most prestigious university alumni groups in the country and their chapters. Stay tuned. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. So welcome back. I've got my coffee. I hope you do. You know, this purpose of the show, Doing It Right, is all about bringing guests on who are just real people. They walk their talk. They keep their integrity as they have been extremely successful. And my guest today is one such woman. Let me tell you about Stacy Hyatt. She is a woman who, believe it or not, has a bioengineering degree and ended up doing the work that she's now going to tell you about. So I just want to say welcome, Stacy, to the show. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you very much, Valerie. It's it's an interesting topic. And when I met you and you tried to explain what you did, it kind of went whoosh right over me. I couldn't quite grasp it. So I researched you and we had our pre-interview. And what I now realize is that you work with these leadership volunteers in alumni groups for universities around the country. So I'm going to stop there and just kind of net it out to us. What does that look like? It's a really good question. It's not a space that many people are really aware of. So I get this question quite a bit. Uh, basically, universities around the world, in fact, like to keep up with their graduates. They do, through, do so through their alumni organizations. Many of them are uh, quite organized and they have chapters or clubs in different geographic areas around the country. Mm -hmm. They might even have clubs, organizations around uh, special interest topics such as clean energy. But regardless, they are really trying to keep their alumni engaged. Well, all of that work, all of the work to run those groups, those affinity groups, those geographic groups is all done in a volunteer basis by the alumni themselves. That's not easy. No, it really isn't. If you think about it, uh, most people have career uh, <laughs> obligations, family obligations, obviously, that take priority over any volunteer activities. So for uh, an organization that is entirely run by volunteers, mm -hmm. no matter how well-intentioned or how capable, what you end up with is a lot of variability, not quite as dependable and such. Okay, so I'm really tracking here. I uh, went to Oklahoma State University. And through the years we've moved, I married an IBMer and that meant I've been moved. So I didn't land any place close enough really to get too involved. But since we landed in Dallas, there is a group here, alumni group, and I wish I had gone more regularly. But I know what this is, I know what you're talking about now. 
what's the most difficult part of what you do for these groups? So the hardest part is these volunteer groups have been managed, as I said, by the alumni themselves, by volunteers. Mm -hmm. uh, over time, people's available time for these types of things tend to have been diminished. And the hardest thing that I deal with uh, coming into it is some older perspectives that in order to volunteer, you must suffer. And if you are not suffering during your volunteer exercise, then you're not doing it right. Yeah, now wait a minute. You have to tell me what that means. I can't imagine that that's a perspective. It really is. And by suffer, I say that somewhat lightheartedly, but some people truly believe that, um, a very viable you know, belief out there, that when you are volunteering, you are supposed to do all the work. Now, a more modern view of that is you are volunteering to help make sure the work gets done. I see. And so an organization that leans more towards that latter perspective is more likely to engage a third party whose job it is to make sure that they are strategically moving in the right direction, that someone is handling the administrative back office, it answers the phone for the members, and that does the bookkeeping so there are financial statements for the board meetings. So that's what we do. We help provide everything from the strategic direction Mm -hmm. to the execution of the day-to-day -day administrative and bookkeeping functions for these clubs so that their volunteers spend their time with each other and dreaming up fabulous things to do to support the universities. So I'm smiling really big because putting it in my perspective, it's almost like you're saying your organization is the ultimate VA, virtual assistant for the, does that kind of resonate? I mean, it does. And you for, take all the pressure off. That's our goal. Right. So, so one of the big challenges with these volunteers mm -hmm. is they're there because their heart, you know, in their heart, they want to be there, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that means something to them. It was an experience that they had that they are grateful for. Often their children might be going to the same university. So it's just something they share in the family, mm -hmm. but it is very hard to do all the small things that make the experience an enjoyable one for people attending the events yes. that people have. So that's where we do come in. Our role really helps not only the experience for all those in the organization to be a very positive one that enhances mm -hmm. whatever the goals of the alumni club are, whether it's charitable, whether it's you know supporting the university with um, interviews for admissions and things mm -hmm. of that nature, we make it easy so the volunteers will stay and they will, they will enjoy it. Often the other situation is they get so buried by the administrivia Right, you know, making name tags and right. you know, and trying to deal with Important. the small things. Right. Uh, oh, and the polish it makes a difference at the end, but um, but it's a lot of work to actually do it. That they tend to get burned out, and then they leave, and then you don't have the benefit at all of their participation or their vision or their network. That is such a niche. So, <laughs> tell us how in the world did you go from? as we did our pre-interview, having an MBA from Wharton and a bioengineering degree. How do you go from that to what 
you're now doing very successfully globally? That's another good question I get often. Most of my career has been in implantable medical technology, but I have also, in parallel with my career, have had a passion for alumni groups. They do such amazing things uh, professionally, personally, uh, within the community, and for education to begin with. I'm very passionate about this group that I have always been involved in the background. Mm -hmm. I'm currently president of the Wharton alumni here in Dallas-Fort Worth, so I, I understand the pain <laughs> involved <laughs> and very much appreciate when some of these, uh, these issues can be taken off our plate so that we can continue to recruit and keep very good volunteers. But the reason I took this path um, over what I was doing uh, before is mainly because there are a lot of fantastic professionals in the medical device space. I still love it, still a passion, but there was nobody in this space. So I published a book called Fully Funded, Outrageously Successful Ways to Fund an Alumni Chapter Ooh, and hit the good. speaking circuit. It is the only a reference manual for volunteers running alumni clubs out there. So, oh, well, tell us that again, and it'll be on the banner. What's the name of the book? Because that would be something from all of my friends who are in organizations like you're working with that people should read. <laughs> Thank you. It is called Fully Funded Outrageously Successful Ways to Fund an Alumni Chapter. However, it is applicable for pretty much any such volunteer groups and includes quite a bit of information about uh, benefits and pitfalls and such associated with being a nonprofit uh, so organization all the as well. Would mm -hmm. do well to read it. That's that's really interesting and good. And you are a woman in the community. I know that about you. You're very involved with uh, organizations. Tell us about particularly your work with the Titans. Oh my goodness, I'm glad you asked about that. Tech Titans is a wonderful organization. It is the technology organization for North Texas. Mm -hmm. um, it focuses on really elevating uh, technology company, technology users, and being a, uh, a kind of a thought engine for what's next coming down the pike. And I have been uh, very fortunate to have been on the board for eight years now with them. Uh, leading uh, different aspects, including the Health Technology Forum, uh, amongst other things. But one of the things I enjoy the most is having an opportunity to have been a judge for the annual awards. Now we will get up to, yes, this is pre-COVID, but up to about 800 people show up for these awards. And they are an incredible way to elevate the community. We're looking at CEOs, CIOs, people that are really making a difference in technology, but also uh, making a difference through their leadership. So give me an example of uh, an award that was just given to someone and what, what was the uh, final reason that person got the award? Well, they're different. They really vary each year. There's about 15 standard awards. And they, like I mentioned, it might be um, a CIO award, it might be a CEO award, it might be a community advocate award. Uh, we have a Hall of Fame award every year. And one of our good friends, Valerie Freeman, was yes. actually uh, the recipient of the Hall of Fame award last year. Okay. So uh, it is about having an impact on the community. I see, okay, that's awesome. So. 
how has COVID made a difference in your business? <laughs> Boy, has it ever. Uh, on one side, we took a real hit. As you can imagine, I described uh, that a lot of alumni organizations get together uh, because they are geographically based. Mm -hmm. While geographically based groups enjoy physically getting together. <laughs> that came to an abrupt halt. <laughs> <laughs> as you can imagine, it really hurt those uh, alumni groups as well because people pay dues that help support their operations, sure. but they do so if there's things to go to. So some of them did a good job and were able to pivot somewhat on Zoom. Um, however, conversely, the, the groups that I referred to as affinity groups, um, for instance, an entrepreneurial network from a university or a clean energy network. Those aren't geographically based. They are worldwide across their entire alumni base. It's just more of a, um, a special interest that brings them together. Well, surprisingly, COVID really enhanced the use of programs like Zoom and GoToMeeting and WebEx, and it caused people who resisted using that in the past to have to get on board, you know, regardless of age, regardless of applicability to that particular space. But by doing so, these affinity groups, those that have truly embraced that, mm -hmm. now had the option to reach all of their networks with each one of their programs. And so that has soared. Some of the groups are doing better than, than ever before. Isn't that interesting, Stacy? So all of us can relate to Zoom. Most of us are Zoomed out at this point. <laughs> but having said that, that, you know, there's a lot of positives that have come out of, well, positivity is one of my strengths finders, so I'm going to go there because <laughs> I do. I think there are some good things technologically that have brought us now together. Uh, what's interesting about Zoom is that it's easy to use and many of the other platforms are too. What is, is also interesting and difficult about those platforms is then people feel like, and my expertise, as you know, is presence. And so I've been getting calls like, well, what do I wear? Well, how do I act? Well, where should the camera be? Well, what should the lighting be? There's a whole nother industry that sort of spun out if you will, in my business by doing webinars on how to show up on these meetings. And we could talk a lot about that. But it's critical. It's it is, critical. It is a whole new world. It's it very is. much different than and, in person. And doesn't it say something? I'm sorry, audience, but it does. It says something about who you are and your ability to communicate. And that is all about presence and brand, presence and brand. Who are you and how do you show up? So uh, I'd like to just ask, tell us a little bit about Stacy. Tell us about <laughs> Stacy. Oh, gracious. Where do you start? That's a wide open, isn't um, it? I think the best way to describe me is ball caps to ball gowns. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, I, I come from a, a family that's a hardworking family, uh, dedicated, and uh, one side of the family is actually a farm community and very hardworking, so not afraid of uh, doing a little hard work. In fact, over COVID, I installed my own retaining wall <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> on, my, on my property. And, uh, but on the other side, uh, I, I really enjoy people. I enjoy being with them. I love the opportunities to lift up others. I love 
um, such as the Tech Titans Awards. It's a black tie affair when we have those in person. Dressy, dressy. So back to the ball gowns. Yeah. Enjoy that just as much and everything in between. So um, it's really hard for me to fill out some of those personality uh, <laughs> tests because I can answer yes to so many of the options. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here looking at your beautiful face and picturing you in a ball cap and then a, a hammer on your side and then putting on your black ball gown. You're so the flannel shirt a really little bit. <laughs> Stacy, what kind of a boss are you? <laughs> mm. Boy, it's probably a good question for my team. Um, I should have asked them. <laughs> probably ahead. so. It'd be interesting to hear the answers. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I'm pretty in touch with uh, the team I work with. We are very close in the uh, in our day to day work. Um, I think I'm very fair, but I tend to be. Um, pretty exacting. So one of the things that's really important about my business is you know, how I describe to the team that each person on our team providing these administrative services mm -hmm. really has to do so under the brand of our company and following policies and procedures that we've developed. And I explain it very much like if we are to have a strong brand as a company while having many people employed by us, our particular type of model has to be a lot more like a restaurant, for instance, where you get hired huh. into the restaurant, maybe you're the chef, mm -hmm. but you do have to make the recipes of the restaurant. That's a great <laughs> you, analogy. You can't show I up like at Macaroni that. Grill right. with your own list <laughs> or change up the recipes yep. and surprise the guests because they uh, those guests are going to Macaroni Grill because they know what they're going to get and they're, they're looking forward to it. So I do explain that we are not like an antique mall where everybody has their own booth and it's completely different and a whole different experience with each individual person and topic. You so know, that's, I think, one of the things that um, they would uh, probably focus on is um, how I work very closely with everyone to understand how to replicate the brand. Well, that is so important. I, I call it the three C's clarity, constancy, and consistency. Mm -hmm. And that means that, as you said, every person that works with you has to have those three things. Or guess what? One, one goose is going to be flying off and out of formation, and then guess what? It's your brand that suffers. And that's not easy. That's not easy for leaders, Stacy, to disseminate down into the organization. And yet, stay and here's the point who they are yes but but you have your own policies and procedures you're the one that writes the paycheck i get i get tickled sometimes when i'll be coaching someone and they'll say well you know if the leader just understood this or that or whatever and sometimes i want to say and i never do who signs the paycheck <laughs> If that's the way it's going, that's kind of the way it's going. It's what you signed up for. Well, it gives us all a stronger opportunity, too. If our brand is stronger, yes. then we're going to have more consistent work coming in. Yes. And that's something I try to explain to everybody, that this is something that it enhances all of us. It doesn't resonate with everybody, though. You're right. You know, it's something that we have to work on. Well, and that leads to when I come to work for your company, I need to believe in the company and the vision of the company and the person who's running the company. 
Otherwise, there's going to be a disconnect. So those are really some good tips. Have there been any lessons that you've learned through the years, Stacy, to share with other people? Oh my goodness, there are <clears throat> numerous, too numerous to count. I think one of the things that I have really learned and ingrained from a marketing perspective is the importance of evolving. Evolving, the importance of evolving. Yeah, Tell when, us more. You know, anything you know, mm -hmm. you knew it yesterday. <laughs> Tomorrow is different. <laughs> it's a whole new day. The world can look very different. It, right. You know, your knowledge may have applied yesterday, but um, be willing to evolve, be willing to grow. And for me, um, trying to maintain a consistent brand consistency among very different personalities that mm -hmm. uh, we're fortunate to work with in our company, okay. but also maintain a, an openness to how we need to continue to evolve to be a, you know, an even better partner for mm -hmm. all of our, our clients. It's no small task for leaders to work with all kinds of other people who <laughs> may or may not think like you do. That's why leadership is so, so important. If there's one part of leadership for anyone, Stacy that you would say, you know, if all leaders would just remember to fill in the blank. Be straightforward with folks. You're not going to always get it right. Mm -hmm. If you pretend you always are going to get it right, people aren't going to believe you anyway <laughs> on your team. So I think part of leadership is being will, willing to say, you know what, that was my call and it was the wrong one, guys. Mm. You know, really could have done that differently and appreciate you working with me through it, but, you know, but acknowledging um, where you could do things better. I think that's something that you have to be comfortable with to be authentic. I am so glad you brought that up. And again, back to COVID, one of the things I'm finding, Stacy, is that leaders are becoming so much more transparent. Put me on Zoom long enough. <laughs> Give me the challenges long enough. And I'm going to kind of go back to what brung me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a really good thing. There there are so many good examples, and, and you're certainly one of them. I'm going to ask you a silly question. What is a talent you wish, all the things you already have, what's a talent you wish you had and you don't? I wish I could sing. <laughs> Really? Yes. Okay, that's interesting. And why? So, um, I just, I'm always amazed at what <laughs> some people's beautiful voices sound like and how they can communicate, uh, you know, feelings and thoughts so effectively. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I am one of those shower divas, <laughs> but uh, no one should be subject to having to hear it unfortunately but That's yes awesome. if i could do something that uh that I can't right now, it would be sing. Oh, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> You've given us a lot of really interesting tips. Is there one thing in closing, Stacy, that you would want for particularly women business owners to uh, learn from you as a woman business owner? What would that be? I think to be fearless. Fearless. There's always going to be somebody, woman or not, Mm -hmm. that's going to not like your idea. For instance, mm -hmm. 
my company, you highlighted something interesting in the beginning, the transition that I went through from being a, uh, an executive in the implantable medical space uh, to doing what I think is really important in this particular space that didn't have any leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people in the space where I came from would say things like, you know, how's that going? So when are you going to get back to real work? Oh, and interesting. so no matter, you know, where you come from, uh, whatever your background is, you're going to find some naysayers or folks that just don't see the vision. Mm -hmm. And I think just be fearless and move forward. And I, I heard um, a talk uh, done on leadership on CEOs and one characteristic of a successful CEO that really stuck with me. And it wasn't education or it wasn't intelligence. It actually said the successful CEO just gets up and dusts off every time they're knocked down. Mm. They're the ones that cross like the finish that. line. Everybody gets knocked down, maybe more than once or twice. But the ones that actually accomplish something, get things done, are the ones that got up, knocked that dust off, and started moving forward again. And that really resonated with me. So I think I'd like to impart that thought to someone else. And that's a great thought. And you did that. You had so many challenges. I mean, coming from just starting something that there was nothing there and seeing <laughs> that vision, which is one aspect of leadership that's so wonderful and you've got it, visionary. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Stacy. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And again, her book is? Fully Funded, <laughs> Outrageously Successful Ways to Fund an Alumni Chapter, applicable to pretty much all nonprofit or volunteer groups found on Amazon. There you go. Everything's found on Amazon, <laughs> Stacy, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, before we go, I just want to kind of end by saying, leadership is an ocean topic and as our guest and all my guests do they find a niche they find something that maybe either hasn't been done before or it's been done but you can do it differently and so it's just so important in in today's world to find your niche even if you are working within a company what is it what's your brand what do you do better than or different from other people who kind of sort of do what you do? I had to find that and I figured out long ago what I can own and what I know is so important are the people skills. And that's what this show is about, building relationships authentically. Until next time, stay authentic. Bye for now. Okay, here's my Valerieism for today. Every launch starts as inspired but imperfect action. <laughs> Let me say it again. Every launch starts as inspired but imperfect action. It's really simple. If you've got an idea and you just sit on it forever and never launch, you've robbed the world of something that could be really wonderful. So don't worry about, oh, is it the right time? Do I have the right resources? If you've got the right idea, just 
do it, but do it right. That's my Valerieism for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.